Uh, welcome back to the More in Common podcast. Today, this is part two of our conversation with Jessica Frew. Hopefully, over the last couple of days, you've had a chance to go back and listen to Ben Mathis' conversation if, if you hadn't heard that, but especially checked out part one of this conversation because it adds a lot of context to where this discussion goes. So, we're just going to get into it. Enjoy the show. And don't forget to leave us a like, give us a share, you know, and, and tell us how we can improve. We want to keep spreading this message of compassion. Who other people are and who they feel called to be and created to be is not about me. And I think we so often make it about ourselves, especially in religion. Like I listen to people and they're like, oh, well, they left the church. No, 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 no. And I'm like, who cares? Hopefully they are happy and living their, living a life that feels true to them. Like, I don't care if they stay in my church. That has nothing to do with me and my relationship with them. They are still the same person that I loved. They are still the same person that I respect and have created a relationship with. And I will continue to show them that love because they're probably going through something hard leaving this culture and this religion that they have embraced and lived and now they're they're leaving it and there's a lot of change and transition that happens there and i want them to know that i am still a safe place for them i am curious to to bring this to so you know your podcast is all about you navigating the relationship with your ex-husband ex-husband who came out as gay your current husband raising kids stepkids and that dynamic at the same time I mean, you have 113 episodes. You're doing really well. 112 episodes, I'm sorry. And you're still active in the Mormon church. So tying this into that, how, how has the environment of being active in the church while you are maintaining your Be Bold life, being Jessica, and you've got this whole, hey, I want to expose this because I know we're not the only ones going through it. So you can maybe leave the church, maybe get divorced, right? As you did, and that's frowned upon in Mormon church, right? So how has that environment been for you? How have you been accepted, rejected? What's I mean, I'm sure it's been tumultuous at times. So it's interesting because, I mean, in... In my church congregations in general, I have not felt rejected or pushed back. It's in core relationships that I have that I have felt that pushback of why would you do this? Why would you stay friends with him? Why would you create a good relationship with him? I've been told I have enabled him to be gay. I have been told all of these things because... I love him. I am doing something wrong because I still care about him. And I always say, I care. He's like my brother now. He, We're that close. I care about him that deeply. And, and it's just the reality. And so people don't understand that. And I, I don't care. <laughs> people can say what they're going to say about me and what I decided to do. Uh, they can push back. They can whatever. They can talk poorly of me. I, I I got to a point where I don't care because I saw the pain Steve went through in fighting to stay 
in a life that he was not created to live, in doing what he thought he should do, in being married to a woman and having a family and living this living in our church and our religion. And I watched him fight. We were married for seven years. And six of those years, I knew he was gay. And so I, I mean, it's, yeah, I watched him fight. I watched him hate himself. I watched him shame himself. And there's too much that is just who he is to downplay that. And so while people may accuse me of different things, they may say different things about me, at least I know when they're doing that, that they're thinking about it that it's getting them thinking about the fact that maybe there's another way of viewing this. Maybe there's another way of showing up. Why are we staying in marriages that aren't serving us if we really need to get out? There, are, I always say people either stay in marriages way too long or they get out way too early. Like there's, they're, they're putting themselves because they feel like they need to stay there for their kids. They feel like they need to stay there for whatever reason because it is looked down upon to get divorced. And while I do not advocate for divorce, I, I you know, Yes, marriage is great and families are wonderful. And if you can keep that intact, I fully support that. But if you are in a relationship that is not serving you personally, that is not working for your mental and physical well-being, you should get out. There's no shame in that. And so for me, I have just always felt that this would be my opportunity to to help people think differently in these areas, to create understanding, to realize that it's okay to love and support people who live lifestyles different than us. In fact, it is a beautiful thing that if we truly believe what we believe in our church, it's all part of the plan. It's all how we were created. We had to be different. We had to have different lifestyles. We had to live different ways in order to grow, in order to love. If we all did it exactly the same, we would not be learning anything. We would not be growing. We would not be changing. And so for me, obviously, it gets me a little fired up thinking about it. And it is a passion of mine to be a voice of change in this religion that I love. I I love, but also struggle with some parts of it, of understanding, well, why doesn't this work? Why doesn't this fit in? We believe we are created by God. Like we need to start thinking differently. We need to start creating some change. And I don't know how that looks. I don't know any of those things, but I know that by being a safe place and by speaking up, I can at least start start the conversations and start getting us going in the right direction. And yeah, I've just made it a point that at this point I have been through too much. I have felt too much. I've seen Steve's struggles and I won't be quiet about it. My daughter, she's 11 now. She was two when we got divorced and she's being raised in this church, which I love. And also I'm very careful about what I teach her and what she hears at church because, and we've had hard conversations around that of some things that you are taught at church aren't going to feel right to you. It's not going to resonate. And especially because your dad is gay and does things that are different than what the church teaches. And that's okay. Like you don't have to believe or buy into everything that the church says or everything that you're taught because these are just people. We're all just people. We're all trying to teach and learn it the best we can. And I've we've also prepped her for the fact that someday somebody's going to be mean to you because your dad's gay. What does that look like for you? And most likely it's going to be somebody very close to you that isn't nice about it. I always say it's a very real possibility that it's Steve's dad that's going to make her have to stand up for her own father. 
and kind of prepping her for those moments of what does that look like for you? It can be whatever you want it to be. You can say, I'm not engaging in this conversation and you can leave. That is okay. But you can also stand up for him if that's what feels right. You get to do that, whatever feels right for you. And also there's probably somebody else in the room that's going through something similar. There is probably somebody else whose parents are divorced. There's somebody else whose dads drink alcohol. There's somebody else who has a gay family member or loved one, somebody who identifies as queer in their life. And you are giving them a safe space when you speak up. Doesn't mean you have to speak up, but if you want to, you get to be that person that creates that space, that creates that safe space. So there's a lot of feelings, obviously, that I have around that. And I, yeah, and a lot of opportunity there to be able to speak up. And I feel very blessed. And I know I am in a place of privilege that I have the voice to do so, that I have been placed in a situation where I get to do so. So. Everything you said ties into a sentiment of identity, especially religious identity. (laughs) And so one of the things that doesn't happen often enough in religion is a separation of religious identity with identity of relationships, right? So Steve... Boundaries what? Oh, yeah, boundaries. Steve leaves the church and, uh, you know, announces that he's gay, violates a lot of people's identity because that's their religious identity, especially in the Mormon church, which, you know, so what does many, is in many religions, many, as in many religions, Mm -hmm. what does being Mormon mean to you such that you have been able to separate that and create that boundary that him leaving and all that never violates your identity and you're still involved in, in raising your daughter in it. So one of the things I think of first and foremost is that who other people are and who they feel called to be and created to be is not about me. And I think we so often make it about ourselves, especially in religion. Like I listen to people and they're like, oh, well, they left the church. No, 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 no. And I'm like, who cares? Hopefully they are happy and living their living a life that feels true to them. Like I don't care if they stay in my church. That has nothing to do with me and my relationship with them. They are still the same person that I loved. They are still the same person that I respect and have created a relationship with, and I will continue to show them that love because they're probably going through something hard leaving this culture and this religion that they have embraced and lived. And now they're they're leaving it. And there's a lot of change and transition that happens there. And I want them to know that I am still a safe place for them. So I think of that. And then I also, for me, I guess it, in my religion, it really comes back to that idea too, that this is about my personal relationship with a creator, with the universe, with the divine being, whoever you believe, however you believe this works. And there are people who are here on this earth teaching that that are giving guidance, that are giving things. And while I believe that there are guidelines and things in there that do keep us safe, that do keep us from harm and that bring us peace, I also don't think that it's the end all for everybody. It's not, we're not the only people doing it right. We aren't. And honestly, again, if we go back to our religious beliefs and we dive into the gospel, the doctrine of Jesus Christ, who we believe in, and a loving Heavenly Father and Heavenly Parents, that's that's not what they teach. 
that's not what they teach, that everybody's going to do it the same. They teach us to learn and to grow and to love people differently. That is what Christ did. He spoke to the marginalized. He embraced the sinners. He loved people. And that was his power. And so I just, I feel like the more I can embrace that and see people for what is real to them, what they are going through, whether I think it's going to bring them the most joy and happiness or not is irrelevant. My thoughts of views do not matter. This is about what they feel works for them. And so we, there's an, I, I just have come to realize that I need to trust what resonates with me. And while, yes, there are things about this religion that I love, I firmly believe that have guided my life and brought me peace through the hardest things I've been through. Um, there are also things that I question and it's okay to question. I think so much in religion too, that we think we can't question things that, but if we don't question, we don't grow, we don't learn, we don't go anywhere. And the whole point is to learn and to grow. So I think that's, that's where it comes to for me is that I am an individual. I have an individual relationship with a divine creator and that isn't going to look like it does for anybody else. And so I can not make their decisions about me. I can embrace what they're doing and love them unless it's harming me in some way. And that's a whole nother thing. But in general, you get to keep those relationships and it's and separate yourself from that in what they're doing. Uh, they're finding joy in their own way. And that is awesome. It's like a lot of the negative aspects, not a lot, but some of the negative aspects of mob mentality get caught up in religion because you because you get a mob, right? You get a group of people together that believe a thing and that, that separation of how you have a relationship exactly what you said, Keith, like that entanglement is very much, I don't know. I see it as unhealthy. You sounds like you see it as unhealthy. I think we could probably have a fantastic theological uh, conversation because I would love to go in on almost all that. Cause I, I think we agree on a lot of those things. Uh, and I'm coming at it from a Catholic slash non-denominational Christian slash, I don't know what now point of view. And I would agree with you on a lot of those things, but what I want to do is zoom out from all of this and co and like come back a little bit into like your process for your process over the years of understanding yourself. Like, just like, I don't know, some of the highlights or stories or maybe even tips that you would give someone who's trying to, because the thing you said you like to ask young people is, or you know, sorry, the thing you like to tell them is to, to be or trust themselves. And so my immediate thing was like, well, how do you understand who you are? And, and this kind of the thread here. So I don't know, regale us with a little bit of your journey, becoming yourself. So I feel like this is a process that happened at a young age, we lose ourselves when we are teenagers and kids. It's getting younger and younger. Like I'm watching my kid grow up and I'm like, oh man, we're told who we should be from a very young age. And while some of that is so healthy and good and wonderful, there are also times that we have to understand that this doesn't resonate for me. This isn't what's working for me. And I do a lot of journaling. And that's really been the thing that's gotten me to understand what it is I want and who I want to be, how I want to show up in different situations. I actually have a journal called the Boldology Journal that has these questions that I have found as I've gone back and read my journals. I ask myself on a regular basis from like high school on 
through the hardest times in my life, these are the things that I came back to. And some of them are just like, if I'm carrying a false belief, and one of them that always comes to mind is I carried a false belief for a long time that I was a horrible stepmom, that I was just so awful. And I thought about that and I was like, okay, what is it about this belief? Why do I think this? I was out for a run one day when I was diving into it and I thought, okay, I need to go back to these questions of, is this true? Is it really true? And that's the most basic thing we can ask ourselves. Is this thing that I'm being told or that I am feeling, is it true? And start evaluating that. And as I evaluated, am I really a horrible stepmom? Like, no, I love these kids and I want what's best for them. And sometimes that's hard to communicate and learn my role and how I show up because I am not their parent. I'm not. And so it's taken some learning and understanding of, okay, maybe I don't keep the rules, but that's my husband's job. That's Matt's job. Instead, I get to encourage and support in these other ways. Anyway, so I went through and kind of asked myself, like, is this true? Is this a true belief? How can I, and if it is, okay, what do I need to change? What are things that I could do differently that are doable? Simple things, simple, small things that are doable. Um, How do I, and if if it's not true, how do I start changing this belief that I'm telling myself? And there is, and I bring this up about talking about these beliefs because there's so much that we are told we should be. Like I was saying, there's just so much. And so we have to understand if these are true or not, if it resonates with us or not. Why am I feeling uncomfortable when I think about this? Like I I mean, thinking about loving the queer community and being an advocate in the queer community while still being a member of the Mormon church, there's another thing there of why. Why is this so important to me? And understanding that for myself, and then that gives me power to act on that. When you go back to knowing what it is you want and understanding who you are and acting on it, the more you act, the more you hear clearly in yourself what it is you want. The more you start realizing, oh, my body or my emotions are telling me this thing right now. Like in this moment, I can feel it coming. I need to either continue forward because it's a good thing, or I need to step back because this isn't serving me. And I need to go right. Like, why is this making me uncomfortable? Am I uncomfortable because I know I'm in the wrong here? Or am I uncomfortable because this is not okay? Because there's those two things that you could be uncomfortable because, oh, I I totally messed this up. This was not okay. Or I could be uncomfortable because I need to step away from this situation. This is not right. What this person's telling me, what is happening right now is not okay. And trusting that and leaning into that. And you could even that. be uncomfortable because of whatever happened before this. It has nothing to do with this. Yes. That you know it's leading towards something that isn't okay. Whatever. Yeah. A hundred percent. But there is so much power when we actually listen and act on the things that we feel. That we just, we shut down as usually starting as teenagers. We suppress that. We don't want to feel those things. We want to do what we should do. We want to fit in. We want to be liked. But I have found the more I show up as myself, the more I own my crap, the things that I mess up on, the things that I do well, the more I just own who I am and take control of my life, the more people are drawn to me. The more people get that opportunity to feel that they can be themselves too. It doesn't have to look like me because I don't care. I'm going to show up as I am and I want you to do the same. And so it's really, I mean, I think people feel like, oh, but I'm being selfish if I 
lean into being myself. I'm being, I'm not being a good person. I'm not being kind when really, when you do that, you're opening up the doors for other people to go be themselves as well, which is the greatest gift we can give anybody. So get to know yourself, ask yourself hard questions, and then take action, take ownership. Like one thing going back to the jobs where you're saying, I do have a choice. Ultimately, you have a choice in whatever it is in life. You get to choose if you stay in that profession. You get to choose if you stay in the relationship or the marriage. You get to choose these things. And while not everything, I understand things happen to you, you get to choose how you respond to them. And that was definitely something I've learned over and over again in my life is, okay, I'm getting divorced, not by my own choice, but because my husband's leaving me. And now I get to choose what my divorce looks like. Do I want it to look like all these other divorces I've seen where it's bitterness and anger and the kids are torn apart because their parents are always fighting? Or do I want to create something different where my daughter gets to see us love each other and still be friends and where I get to find peace and comfort in this relationship? And so you you get to choose. And I think sometimes we're like, oh, I don't have a choice or this is just how it is. But no, there is always this option to choose. So those are some of the things and tools that I utilize to be true to myself and to be bold. A lot. Keith, you want to try and listen, we should, we should do like a rapid fire summary of the tools. Ready? <laughs> Go. Um, there is a, a, I mean, everybody has the story that they're told, right? And I mean, we've talked a lot about this and what I think, what, what I've found is that we all have a period of time where we lean into that story versus leaning into ourselves. Yet there is this, since your dad, you know, be bold, Jessica, has there been a period of time in your life where you leaned into the story you were told versus yourself? Oh yeah. And what did that, yep. and what did that look like? What was that? So it was after I got married a second time to my husband, Matt, and he kind yeah. And honestly, I say remarriage was so much harder than getting divorced for me. It was so hard. And he like went into, obviously, like all sorts of things came up for him that he thought he had dealt with and he wasn't great about communicating those. And so I felt it was all my fault that all of a sudden we got married and our relationship changed dramatically. And so I took it on me to conform to what I thought I should be. I need to be doing this as a stepmom. I need to be doing this as his wife. I need to be showing up in these ways so that his ex-wife likes me. I need to do all of these things and give up some of my important things to me in raising my daughter, things that felt right for me in who I was as a stepmom and as a parent. And it nearly, I want to say nearly killed me. It wasn't that dramatic, but honestly, I spent the first two years of our marriage almost every night after he would fall asleep, crying myself to sleep on the couch because I was such a mess. And then looking back at my journals again, I went through and I read these questions of, are you being true to who you are? Are you taking ownership of your life? Are you taking care of yourself? And I thought, you know what? I'm not. I thought I was because this is what I want is to have a good relationship with my husband. And I was thinking that this was the way to get it. This was the way to make him happy and to see that I was of worth. But I already knew I was of worth. I didn't need to prove that to him. I needed to make sure I still had that. And at that point, I was giving up my worth. And so I um, I started taking little steps to get back to who I was. I started putting boundaries in place of saying, you know what? 
I'm not going to do that anymore. I will not engage with your ex-wife anymore because of what it's doing to me and ultimately what it does to your kids and to you. And so you're going to have to take that on. And then it was next, hey, I can't pick up and take your kids to everything because I'm missing out on time with my daughter. And while I wish I could do all of those things, I can't because this is my kid and she needs to know that I'm going to show up for her just as much as your kids need to know somebody's going to show up for them. And he could do that. He can show up for his kids. They're his kids. Uh, And just things like that to slowly regain who I was. And as I did that, which I knew and forgot and let go of, we became closer because I was happy and he wasn't feeling a need to make me happy. He wasn't feeling like he was failing because I was a mess. So the more I took care of myself, the more I found happiness outside of whatever he was dealing with. And the more he felt confident in our relationship because, okay, I'm, she's okay. I'm not failing. Cause that's what he told me later. In fact, we talked about this in one of our podcast episodes. He said, this is the first time he told me this. He said, I was just trying to do everything I could to end our marriage because every other relationship I'd had had failed. And I just wanted to get this one over with. He's like, it felt too hard too painful, too much. And so I was just pushing you away as much as I could. And, but then once he saw that I was okay and I started taking that ownership of my life, he realized it was okay, that I didn't need him to make me happy, that he wasn't responsible for whether or not our marriage was a success or not. I was, and he was individually. And then we come together and make it awesome. But um, yeah, I think that was, I mean, those first years of our marriage were... (laughs) the hardest years of my life. And and also I felt guilty for that, that here I am married to this great guy and have this wonderful life and yet it's hard. What is wrong with me? And letting go of that and realizing that's real too. There's a whole lot of things, but that's one time that I really let go of who I was and wasn't true to myself. And it, yeah, it crushed me. It broke me in a way that I'd never felt before. and. um But it was, I mean, making those little steps one at a time of recognizing this thing doesn't sit right. I'm going to change this one thing and then I'm going to go to the next thing. I'm going to make this a habit and make this a boundary or whatever I need. And then I'm going to move forward to the next thing that I can do. And slowly over years, it, it helped and we are in a great place. And I'm so glad we got here. The thing that I, that like stood out like right when you started that and then got louder as you kept going for me was, I mean, obviously boundaries, cause we keep talking about it, but, um, regression to the mean, like we can do the work or we can do work and fix a thing. But if something new happens or a new environment or new stimulus, it is so much easier for this skin suit and and equipment we have in here to go back to what we know or what we've known for the longest and so we regress back into old patterns or old things without continuing to evaluate them which is why i think your 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 practice of journaling is so powerful um i appreciate you sharing that i wanted to ask one quick question um on your daughter and and i think about this a lot having young daughters uh, you, you helping her make decisions, like showing her all of the things like your dad is gay and the church thinks this and his dad thinks this and, and 
you get to decide. You don't have you don't have to do this because and I and do you have any uh, other tips or thoughts beyond behind how you go about that with her? Yeah. So one of the first things that comes to mind is just loving people who are different than me and making that clear to her that I love these people no matter what. So my dad isn't active in the church either. My mom is, my dad isn't. And just making that clear that it doesn't matter that he's in or out of the church. I love him. And we have conversations about her dad as well. Doesn't matter if he believes or does things differently than us. I love that man. And then telling her, like, listen, this is how I believe. And this is what has helped me. These are the tools I have used, but they're not always going to work for you. I want you to try some of them, see how they feel. If they don't work for you, that is okay. I will still love you. I am still here to support you along the way and help you figure out those tools that do work for you. And another thing is trusting her when she makes decisions of telling me this doesn't feel right. And sometimes it's simple things like, mom, I I don't want to go to swim tonight. I'm not feeling okay. Like emotionally, I'm not here. I just want to do this or that. Say, you know what? That's fine. Or sometimes when we go visit family, she'll say, I don't want to sleep in my cousin's bedroom tonight. That's fine. It might, it might ruffle a few feathers, but that's okay. You can come sleep on the floor in our room. Simple things like that, that show them that if they're uncomfortable or they need some extra support, I'm going to support what they decide. Penny had one time when she was really little, she get uncomfortable and try something new. But I think there are also moments of just trusting their own intuition that helps them realize, oh, it's okay to do this. And also like the clothes she wears. I'm like, girl, you wear what you want to wear. Wear what feels, you know? And she came home in like these, or to her dad's house one night in a, like these bell bottoms and these super crazy shoes and whatever. And he's like, is this what the kids wear at school? And now he's like, no. And she goes, no, the kids clothes are boring at school. And I'm like, sweet. Like just, it's okay to be yourself. Who cares what other people are doing? There are still people that love you. And so I think those are key things, especially, I, I say especially for girls, but any kids, it's just important that they know they they can trust that intuition and that they'll be supported in that. Well, I have to say, as we come to an end, um, you said something I just wanted to comment on real quick, is that um, being yourself is 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 not nice or is mean. And it's like, well, you, just because you're yourself doesn't mean you have to be mean. It doesn't mean you have to be right. And at the end of the day, psychologically, we all, um, have, uh, measures of others. And when people aren't being themselves, we sense it, whether it's energy, whether it's through body language or whatever the case. And in turn, as Brene Brown, clear as kind, being yourself is clear to other people. We know what to expect. And you could be like the meanest person or you're snarky or whatever, but that is just naturally who you are. And people wonder, why can they get away with doing it? It's because it's just who they are. We may not like them and they may not be around all that much, but we at least accept it a little bit more than just someone who's doing it outside the realm of their own being, right? Um, but it's it's a hard thing. And I I, I think the last thing I, I... We talk and we'll have our last question here. 
but, and I'm thinking about this since I listened to your latest episode of your podcast is, is compassion. And we often, we talk about empathy and we want to understand other people. We want to understand what they're going through. And I want to call this out as it relates to why compassion is possible for anybody is you exude it because you don't look at other people for what they are. You look at other people for their lived experience, their life, their relationship in context with you. So Steve leaves the church. He's going through something. You know what it's like to go through something. And in that, you have compassion for him and you love him. You don't have to understand what he's going through. You simply just understand the suffering that he is experiencing as a human being. And and in that, you just exude exude compassion and I just love it and I love you and I think you're awesome and thank you for joining us. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right. So as we're getting ready to wrap up, Jessica, this has been an awesome conversation. Where can people find you? Yeah. So we are on Instagram at husband in law. And I say we, because I do share the platform with my husband and ex-husband. And then we are also on any podcasting platform. If you want to hear our whole story, start with episode one, it's husband in law. That is how Steve and Matt, my ex-husband, my husband refer to each other. They call each other husband in laws. So you can go listen to our story and connect with us there. And those are the two best places, honestly, to find us. So Hope to see you there. And with that, I'm going to say thank you as well. And I'm going to ask the last question, which is, what does compassion mean to you? Basically, exactly what Keith just said. It's that I, I don't need to understand completely what they're going through or understand why they're doing the things they're doing. All I need to understand is that I can be there to support somebody. I can be there to to know that they have somebody to talk to when they're in pain, to understand that they can reach out to me when they need somebody, when they're in that moment of, hey, I need help, I'm going to show up. And while I might not understand it, I can relate and I can listen. I think most people, when they're going through hard things, just need somebody to listen that helps them feel seen and to know they're not alone. And so that's that's just what I try to do to help people understand I am here. I'm not going to judge you for what you're doing. If you want advice, if you want my opinions, you can ask, but I'm not going to not going to throw them on you. I'm not going to put that on you. These this is your life, this is your experience, and I want you to feel safe and loved in living that. And like I said before, I just feel like that is the most powerful gift we can give somebody is to allow them to be themselves. And to be clear, how we show up in their lives, uh, knowing that, but to also just respect what they're doing and, and how they feel called to live. It's brought me the most joy. Thank you.